Hey there, everyone. It is Jeff from Modern Combat and Survival. Welcome to podcast episode number 221. Now, this week's broadcast really goes out with a heavy heart because I've been seeing these horrific stories that have been coming out of California's campfire tragedy, which is now the deadliest wildfire in California's history. At the time of this recording, there are over 60 dead and still over 600 people missing. But the worst part for me as a survivalist and a protector of my own family is listening to why people died and knowing that they didn't have to die if they were prepared. I want to make sure this never happens to you, and I have five critical lessons learned that I want to share with you in this episode, as well as an opportunity for some additional free training I'll tell you about at the end of today's show. And as usual, don't forget to grab this week's free show notes for the broadcast, including a handy-dandy one-page cheat sheet covering all the main points for you to refer back to over and over again. All you need to do is head on over to www.mcsmagazine.com slash 221 and download it all for free. And now, let's get started. Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. Okay, welcome back, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine and executive director of the New World Patriot Alliance with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. And like you, if you've been following the news, I mean, like I have, I've, I've, I've seen and I've read a lot of stories that are coming out of that campfire tragedy over the past several days in California. But, but one in particular really broke my heart. And I think it really shows you, our listeners, not only the, how critical it is to prepare now for any kind of a disaster, but also the biggest mistakes that people make that cause their own death needlessly. And I want to share that story with you now and then give you the lessons. And again, stay tuned till the end of the broadcast because there is going to be another free workshop that's going to be happening this week that I want to tell you about. And I want to make sure that you get in it. Okay. All right. So let me tell you this story. So it really happened at the very beginning of the wildfire, which began on uh, Thursday, November 8th. And there's a man, uh, Greg Woodcox, who was with his dogs. He was in his, he was in his Jeep. He was in Paradise, California, which is where the fire started. And he was with his dogs. He has two little, two little scrappy dogs. And, uh, he was in a local park when he smelled smoke. And he investigated it and he saw the fire. He spotted the fire. He saw it coming. And he responded quickly. He jumped in his Jeep and instead of just hightailing it out of the woods and, and, and getting away from the fire, he went ahead and made sure that other people knew what was coming. He didn't want them to get trapped by the fire also. So he started knocking on doors to warn people about the danger. Now, he has friends in this area. This is the area that he lives in. And one of his friends is a paraplegic, unable to take care of himself. And he lives with his mother, who is an elderly woman. And he went ahead and knocked on their door and told them that they need to be ready to leave immediately. Now, in the meantime, while they were getting ready... He went on to knock on other doors in the area just to make sure that people knew and to be that to be able to get out and that he was going to be leading a convoy out of there and that they needed to be ready right away. They needed to grab their stuff and go. Um, when he went back to go and get his friends, so he, he eventually everybody got together and there was a, there was a convoy of five vehicles that left. But by the time that he returned to um, his friend to go pick up his paraplegic friend and his mother, that fire was blocking 
one of the directions that they had out of the area that they live in. Okay, now th this is kind of back in the woods sort of area. It's not in a major residential area that they were in. There were very few places, very few avenues out of where they live, and the fire had already moved to block one of those paths. So they were down to one left. So, so Woodcox got in his vehicle and he led the caravan of four other vehicles behind him trying to get out of the hillside neighborhood that they were on. Now, they had, they had been going along the road with a fire around them when they reached a metal gate on the road. Obviously, this was a, this was a backwoods road that went to somebody else's land that when you have land, what do you do? You put up gates, right? You put up fences. Well, on their way in escaping the fire, they hit this, they went to this metal gate and Woodcox immediately got out of the vehicle and tried to figure out how to get past the gate. He was trying to figure out how to unlock it. Should he just charge through it? He was trying to figure out how do I breach this obstacle here? Now, at that time, when he was there at the gate, he turned around and the fire had already moved up to where all of the other vehicles were and it started to consume the vehicles that he was leading out of the fire. Now, he didn't even have time. There was no place for him to go. He was surrounded by flames. His dogs were in the back of his Jeep. And he just, there was nothing for him to do. He climbed over the, the metal gate and ran as fast as he could down the hill. And what's odd is that he was running after a fox that was also trying to escape the fire, right? So he runs down the hill and at the bottom of the hill is a stream. And he managed to jump into the stream that was, you know, basically get himself inside of the water. It wasn't enough to actually escape the forest fire itself. In fact, the flames for about 45 minutes were burning all around him, burning his clothes, burning his back as he was trying to stay in the water and get the fire to, to, well, basically just not kill him, right? Eventually the fire did pass over him. Like I said, it took about 45 minutes for the fire to pass over him. And when it was all done, he got up, everything was smoldering around him, but he was out of the major, the major threat that he was facing, which were those flames. He went back to the convoy of vehicles and he did find that his Jeep had all the plastic, uh, you know, detailing around it and everything was melted. Um, his, ironically, his, or, or fortunately, his dogs in the back of his Jeep were still alive. However, all of the vehicles behind his Jeep were all charred remains. In fact, he did a video of, uh, he took out his, his phone and did a video of what he came back to in hopes to show other people just how important it is to be able to prepare for these things. And it's really horrific. I mean, you, you think about it. His friend is there. And in fact, I, I'm not sure how long the video will be up because it is mature topic and it is, um, it is very graphic material. Um, he does go over to where the vehicles are and one person did try to get out of the vehicle and run, was engulfed in the flames and is charred remains on the ground. Um, his friend, his paraplegic friend and his friend's mother are both still inside of their vehicle and basically are charred skeletons. Um, I'll go ahead and put the video on as long as they're going to have it up onto our website where this podcast is. So if you want to go check it out, you can see it there. Just again, just know that it is graphic material in what you're going to see. But the whole point is of the, of that video and why it was done wasn't for entertainment purposes. It was to show people just how deadly these things can, 
can become and how quickly they can and become deadly. So I'll go ahead and put that up there. But everybody was dead that he went back to. And there, there are some critical lessons to be learned from all of this, right? From, and, and actually from the entire tragedy that's happening out there. But I wanted to share five quick ones with you right now that are, I think are really important lessons learned that a lot of people just do not either know about or pay attention to. And I want to make sure that this does not happen to you. Okay. All right. So lesson number one is emergency preparedness. People know that they know that term. Well, Emergency preparedness is about being prepared. It's about being prepared. And being prepared means you're prepared ahead of time. And it takes time to prepare. It takes time to get your, your gear together, your plan together, your response plan together. It takes time to do all of that. So if you are a procrastinator or if you've never really thought that you needed to worry about you know, survival type things because you're never going to get lost in the woods and you don't live in an area area that has hurricanes. Well, wildfires are a good example. Of course, they happen very often on the West Coast, right? But they can happen anywhere. I live in Texas. We have had deadly wildfires around uh, the area that I live. Okay, so any any disaster can happen anywhere. Um, so you need to be prepared. So if you are one of those procrastinators out there, just understand that it does take time. And for God's sakes, if you have not started, if you keep saying, yeah, that's right, I need to put together a survival kit. Yeah, I really should have a bug out bag. Yeah, we really should keep the uh, the, the gas tank filled, at, you know, not let it get, get below a quarter of a tank. If you've been saying we should, we should, we should, for God's sake, people, the the time is the time is now to get past the... I should start doing something. Just start making incremental changes. I know a lot of people get overwhelmed and it's like, oh, there's so many things to prepare for. I don't know where to get started or there's just so much. No, it, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step, one step. And I'm going to tell you what that one step is in uh, some training that's going on this week that again, I'm going to tell you about at the end of this broadcast. But um, I, I make it, I like to make things super simple for people. All right. Super simple. I've got some additional trainings to be coming up um, to make that a reality. OK, but, you know, realize that the time to prepare is not when disaster is already at your front door. Now, this is especially true if you have mobility problems. Now, in our New World Patriot Alliance, um, I do one on one coaching with our members. And I can tell I can't tell you how many times I've talked with people about, you know, they might call me about firearms training or self-defense training. And then all of a sudden I'll throw a zinger at the end. Like, let me ask you, how prepared are you for, you know, you live in Florida, let's say, how prepared are you for a hurricane? Well, Florida is not a really good example because people are really getting a clue in Florida now. Right. But let's say South Carolina. Right. Which doesn't always get hit. And um, and, you know, people always say, yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, I've been meaning to do that. I've been talking with the wife and we need to start putting just something simple together. Well, I can tell you that most plans stay in that we, we should mode. And um, I can tell you that one of the biggest reasons why people tell me they haven't started is like, well, I, you know, I'm, what am I going to do? I, I have mobility problems. I'm disabled. I have an elderly parent that I take care of. It, it's, it doesn't matter. It, in fact, if you have mobility problems, if you're older, all the more reason for you to be prepared to evacuate and start doing it now. I know a lot of people think that, well, I'm not going to evacuate because being in my home is the safest place to be. Well, as we can see, if there's a wildfire headed your way, no, it's not the safest place to be. So unfortunately, 
not everybody is ready, right? Which brings me to lesson number two here, because what I didn't tell in the story that when Woodcox went around knocking on doors saying, hey, get in, grab some stuff, get in your vehicle right now, we're going to convoy out of here. One of the people in the convoy wasn't ready to leave because she had to put her makeup on. I'm going to I'm going to give give that a few seconds for that to sink in right there for you, okay? She had to put her makeup on. Now, some of you may have heard me talk about this before, but cognitive dissonance is something that I think is really it's 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 one of the worst mistakes you can make from any it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's a natural disaster, whether it's a robbery in a parking lot, it doesn't matter what it is. Cognitive dissonance, if you don't know, it's when people are so ingrained in their own beliefs or philosophies that they don't really either recognize or care when there's evidence to the contrary. Okay, so a very common example of that is smoking, right? Like we know smoking causes cancer, right? Most of us have had, I mean, my father died of lung cancer when I was 11 years old. He was 36 years old and, you know, a, whatever, two-pack-a-day smoker died of lung cancer. My grandfather smoked cigarettes since he was like four, you know, and lived to be 92 years old. So we know that it does cause cancer. Smoking does cause cancer. But how many people say, well, yeah, but my my grandfather lived to 92 and he smoked since he was four years old, right? Well, yeah, some people do. And some people die at 36 and leave behind an 11-year-old son who misses his dad for the rest of his life, right? So the whole thing is that even when there's contrary to the to the opposite or, or there's evidence to the contrary, people still they they find justification for their own beliefs. And the biggest thing that the, where I see this come in, in in consulting with people when it comes to survival is oh I'm sure everything will be fine. Oh it's you know that that's never going to happen here. Oh we'll be okay. Oh the government will take care of us. Oh the first responders will help us. Oh, you know, oh, I can cross that stream, you know, that I'm in Texas, right? We have flash floods. So, oh, it looks it looks like it's not quite, you know, deep enough that I can I can still cross the road. And then all of a sudden you're turned over upside down in the stream because you got washed away and your family's dead. Right. So I go over a lot of these stories actually in our workshop. Also, again, I'll talk, talk with it, talk with you about it at the end of the show. Um, but I, I give some really um really illustrative stories about that a lot because um, I want to wake people up out of their cognitive dissonance. So this woman who got their door knocked on and said, um, Hey, you need to, you need to get out. is like, Oh, well, okay. Yes. I'm going to evacuate, but I'm sure we have time. I'm sure everything will be fine. I'm sure we'll be able to get, okay, let me go just put on a quick makeup. Let me just go ahead and do that. Right? No people seconds count seconds count. Think about getting to that gate, right? What if they had just had five more minutes before they got engulfed in flames? Would Woodcocks have been able to breach the gate? Possibly, right? It would have given them more time. There's no telling what was up ahead in the road that, that they wouldn't be able to get to, right? So um, you want to make sure that you are, you are understanding that the worst, that bad things do happen to good people and the worst can happen to you. So realize that seconds count. Lesson number three, um, the reasons why other reasons why people uh, didn't leave were that they were sticking around. There were two things, actually, that they were trying to get together. I wonder if you can figure out what they are. Those of you who have been in my workshop, you know, those, those you, you people know. But um, it's documents and photo albums. 
So people run around trying to put together all of us. Where do we put the marriage certificate? Where do we put the kid's birth certificate? Where do we put our, you know, all of that stuff. Um, people try, they, those are the, the most important things, right? They're not even grabbing food, especially in this type of a situation. They know wherever they're going, they're, it's a localized disaster. They're going to be able to get food somewhere. So they're looking for the things that are really important, like photo albums and documents. Well, let me tell you folks, both can be put on an SD card. And an SD card, if you haven't seen it, there's a little like one inch by a half inch or so. Um, it's a secure digital card is what the SD stands for. It's a little tiny card. You see them, you, you put them, in, them inside of uh, cameras. Um, they're these little, little chips, right? And But they can store a massive amount of data on there. They can store film on there. So you can have all of your home movies or you can have all of your and or you can have all of your photographs scanned put on that on that little tiny SD card. You can have that with you, right? Um, and that way you've got it all ready. It's in your survival kit. It's ready to go. You grab it and you go. So make sure that, I mean, and, you can, and there are services out there now that will do all of this for you. If you don't, then just find some, you know, 15-year-old kid with a computer that wants an extra job of scanning all of your photos and putting them into uh, folders inside of the SD card and you've got them there, okay? All right, that was lesson number three. Uh, lesson number four is um, is going back to when they chose to evacuate. So by the time they got on the road, one of their ways was already blocked out of out of their location. Okay, which only gave them one other route. Now I can tell you that I've seen this also. Um, uh, for those of you that don't don't know, a few years ago, um, my tiny little Texas town experienced a 500-year flood. And um, it, it killed a dozen people of uh, local local people to me. Uh, it came in the middle of the night without hardly any warning. And it was another situation where our city manager was running around. People were running around knocking on doors trying to warn people at 2 o'clock in the morning that there's a massive wall of water, almost literally a wall of water headed toward our town. And you need to get out of your home now. Um, I share some of those stories in our workshop, um, but one of the uh, one of one of my friends who lives down near the river where this was happening, um, there's only one road in and out of where they live. It goes right by their house, but they live in a in a go. I mean, they live in a dip, and then the road goes up on the left, and it goes up on the right, and then on the other side of those ups is another down. So one of those was more down than the other. So trying to get out away from his house, discovered that the water had already crossed over the road. Once he got up over that hill and he went started to go down again, noticed that the water was already over the road. It cut off his one exit. He went back the other way. Guess what? That other dip was cut off by the time he got there also. Um, fortunately, he survived inside of his home, which did and barely survived. I'm talking like we're up at, in the attic trying to um, trying to stay um, just as the water was rising inside of the attic, trying to stay alive in there. But the point here is that you want to make sure that you have your evacuation routes planned. OK, um, you want to make sure that you have an alternate in a different direction than where you're at. So when you're planning, go ahead and get out a topographical map and get out a a roadmap. So you sh everybody should have a topographical map of your area so that you, you basically know where land formations are. Okay. Very easy to read. Not that hard to figure out. Um, just by looking at it, you can usually tell where waterways are, where hills are, mountains, things like that. Right. 
But, um, but that gives you information that a, a roadmap doesn't. But you need to have multiple directions out of where you're at just in case something happens. And it might not be where you get flooded or a wildfire closes it off. It could be that people are on the main road trying to evacuate. There's cars that are broken down. It's become a virtual parking lot. And you, you, but fortunately, you know of where railroad tracks go, that there is a service road along the railroad tracks and you're able to use that road right there to be able to get out of there. Or maybe there's a, a prominent waterway that's near you that um, instead of taking a v- your vehicle, if you have a boat, maybe you can go or, or a, a neighbor has a boat or somebody has a boat that you know, maybe you can boat out of the area a lot faster than you could get the vehicle out of there, right? So there's lots of different options that you can have, but it really comes down to being creative and looking at your own personal um, environment and your own situation and figuring out your primary, your alternate routes of how you're going to get out if you were forced to evacuate, okay? All right, finally, lesson number five is the people in Woodcox's uh, convoy were stopped by a gate, a metal gate, people, okay? A metal gate. Now, who knows if if the road would have been okay if they kept going on. It seems like that was a safe direction because that was where Woodcox ran also, even though the fire wasn't out there. But but we know that they died behind that gate, right? At least on the other side of the gate, it didn't look like they were going in, which is why they were trying to get past the gate. So this was they were stopped and killed by ultimately a gate. So in your survival gear, you really should have some breaching tools that you can depend upon just in case you do find that you have to take an alternate route, but you don't know what's along that route. Maybe it is a service road along um, along power lines or something, but there is also a fence that you hit. And now all of a sudden you're trapped and a wildfire is headed your way or a, you know, what a, a, a flood is headed your way. You just want to make sure that nothing stops you from your movement. You need to keep moving. Now I go over several different ways to be able to keep moving inside of the workshop. Um, however, um, you want to make sure that you have breaching tools because if, if Woodcox had breaching tools there, now listen, I can pick a padlock in about 10 seconds. And I tell people you lock picking really is a valuable skill for you to have. It's a valuable survival skill for survival purposes, escape and evasion purposes. There's reasons why you should pick a padlock or any kind of a lock. I can pick one in about 10 seconds. I can, cut through a padlock in one second with bolt cutters. So I'm not saying, you you know, look, just put some bolt cutters in the back of your vehicle and and have those ready. If, if Woodcox had had those, he might have been able to get everybody through there in a matter of just, you know, seconds and be able to get everyone out. So you need to keep moving, though. All right. You need to. So that comes down to breaching ability. But also, how do you get out of being stuck? So it could be a situation where, you are in a muddy area, so it's a flood-prone area that you're trying to get out of, and you're stuck in the mud. You could be stuck in the snow. Um, think different way. There's different ways you can get stuck, right? And again, you're trapped as long as you're right there. So you want to be, in addition to having bolt cutters there, I recommend that you have a machete. Um, our our machete, our guardian machete, is um, is we call an urban survival machete because we can literally break through concrete. I've cut through steel with it. It is not your, it's not your everyday machete, right? But it's a, it's a great breaching tool, which is why we designed it that way with that certain kind of steel and stuff. But other things that will help you are a shovel, um, if, uh, toe straps, even if you don't have a four wheel drive, just having toe straps so that if you're stuck, 
somebody does come along with a truck or even if it's just a, a car and somehow they're on, they can get on dry land and help pull you out as you're, as you're starting. Toe straps are another uh, really helpful thing to have. Um, you can use floor mats to be able to get out of snow or mud or something like that to give yourself some traction if your wheels are spinning. Um, there are also some uh, very compact things that you put underneath the tires that will help you as well. But, you know, time is of the essence here. Think survival. Time is of the essence. So you want to make sure that you have breaching tools and, and ways to get unstuck that don't that aren't going to require you to sit there and, you know, try and dig and dig and dig and dig. You want the fastest way out as as possible, right? So uh, so definitely uh, that. Now, other things you might want to consider, again, in the spirit of keeping moving, is you want to be storing fuel. Because, look, if if everybody's evacuating, I can tell you that uh, the fuel lines are going to be really long for people to get out if they're running low on fuel. And everybody takes more fuel than what they need to when they're there at the gas pumps. They run dry very quickly. All of a sudden, those people are trapped. If you're not relying on a local gas station and you have stored fuel that you can quickly tank up and at least have a full tank of gas when you leave, then you're good to go, right? You're going to be, you're going to be that much more prepared and that much um, as everyone else is waiting because they're running out of gas or they're out of gas alongside the road waiting for somebody to come and give them gas. You're going to be able to blow right by there and be able to get your family to safety, all right? Okay, well, those are just five quick tips that I that I, uh, I pulled out of this. Now, again, this week we're going to be running an encore presentation for our survival workshop, and these are these really are the the most critical, and they're easy to follow, but they're the most critical survival skills that I've learned that will absolutely save your life. In fact, if you as you go through this, um, you're going to recognize that these tips alone would have saved these people's lives, right? Um, it doesn't matter if you are brand new to prepping or if you are a doomsday prepper. It doesn't matter. There is valuable um, content that I'm going to give you inside of the workshop that we're going to run this week, okay? But it is limited seating, so you want to make sure that you go ahead and grab a seat. It is, it is free. It is online. You can go grab it over at www.mcsmagazine.com slash workshop. Um, go ahead and go check it out now. So make sure that we have um, a spot there for you. And, um, and, and then show up. I can tell you that people, we get so much positive feedback on the workshop that I do here. And, um, and I'm, in fact, it's even transformed, you know, people that had a spouse that was not, um, survival minded. Even, even those that over, like one guy was telling me, he was one of our New World Patriot Alliance members. And he said, I got to thank you. My, my wife is never on, uh, she's not on the same page with me when it comes to survival things. But she overheard um, you giving this workshop and she came running in when it was all over and said, we need to prepare now. And so, um, listen, there's valuable content that you can really use. I'm going to go ahead and give a free, I'm giving away a free survival guide during the broadcast as well. So make sure that you go check it out. The Encore presentation. Again, it's over at www.mcsmagazine.com slash workshop. Go check it out there now. And until then. I want to know what stories have you heard? What mistakes or lessons have you seen that have come out of the current disaster from the wildfires in California? Make sure that you leave a comment on our blog for this week's, uh, for this episode that you're listening to right now. And, uh, I want to hear from you. What have you, what lessons have you learned? What mistakes have you seen people make? And, um, what, what advice do you have for other people out there that are beginning to prep? Okay. Go ahead and leave that over on the blog. And until our next Modern Combat Several Broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying, prepare, 
train, and survive. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.